Breaking into the sports industry can be really challenging. Well, my guest on today's show, Garrett Furubayashi, not only broke into the sports industry, but he did so as a high school student when he landed a fantastic opportunity to be an NBA draft analyst, which then led to an opportunity for him to work for the Locked On Podcast Network. He continued to build on his sports career while he was a student at the University of San Francisco, joining the men's basketball program as a student manager, and eventually working his way up to his current role as the team's director of basketball operations. In today's episode, Garrett joins me to talk about how he broke into the sports industry as a high school student, his journey to becoming the director of basketball operations for USF's men's basketball team, his work with the Asian Coaches Association, and much more. My interview with Garrett Furubayashi, coming up next. podcast that celebrates Asian American athletes and Asian Americans in the sports world. I'm your host, Justin Hong, and on today's show, my guest is Garrett Furubayashi. Garrett is currently the Director of Basketball Operations for the Men's Basketball Team at the University of San Francisco, a position that he's held for the last couple of years. He's been a part of the USF Men's Basketball Program for the last six years, holding roles as a student manager and graduate manager as well. Prior to his career with the USF men's basketball program, he also worked for the Locked On Podcast Network and served as an NBA draft analyst. Garrett is also the director of strategy for the Asian Coaches Association. Welcome to the show, Garrett. Thanks for having me, Justin. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time. I'm excited to learn about your journey and what you're up to these days You know, as the director of basketball operations for the men's basketball team at USF. But before we get into your career, I would love to learn more about your your family background, your childhood, and how you got interested in sports. Yeah, so I, uh, I'm i originally from Salt Lake City, Utah. I was born and raised there, uh, grew up 18 years, and then uh, moved out to the Bay Area here, uh, went to school at University of San Francisco. My uh, Both of my parents' families grew up in the greater Salt Lake City area as well. Uh, and there, so my great grandparents are from Japan. That's why I'm a Japanese uh, nationality. Um, and I grew up playing three sports. So I played uh, baseball, basketball, and golf were kind of what uh, I focused on growing up. And I was fortunate enough to play all three of those in high school. And it was just a great time just because uh, I had the opportunity to play golf in the fall, basketball in the winter, and then uh, close it out with baseball in the spring. And just a little uh, conglomerate of all of them in the summer. So sports have been a big part of my life, and uh, I'm just grateful that I'm able to pursue that passion here at USF. Right, right. How did you know you wanted to pursue a career in sports, and when did you figure that out? Like most of us, uh, we probably all like sports a lot, you know, growing up. But, uh, I mean, I wanted to be one of the guys on the field probably just as, you know, most of us do. But I think when I stopped growing, I realized, you know, it might be a little bit harder to make it out there with some of these other guys who are a little bit uh, more skilled and have better bodies. So I I always loved, you know, following the NBA, MLB, the college sports, just I couldn't get enough. And 
once I realized that I wouldn't be the guy out on the field, I wanted to find a way just to kind of stay around one of the games I loved. So uh, that's when I kind of shifted my focus a little bit to trying to find a way to stay in the sports industry any way I could just being a part of a team and uh, helping a program advance and, you know, try to win some championships. Right, right. So you had mentioned that you moved out to the Bay Area. You attended the University of San Francisco. During your time in college, did you start building connections with the program? Yeah, so... The basketball program. Yeah. I'm sorry, the basketball program. Mm-hmm. When I, uh, I got to USF, um, like I said, I played three sports in high school. So, uh, you know, practice and basically school consumed most of my day. And uh, I would one season would just flip over to the other and then the year's over like that. So when I got to college, you know, like most kids, uh, having that freedom and kind of just the space you get, just being on your own and away from your parents was just uh, different for me. I, I, I didn't know what to do just because I had so much more free time than I did in high school, you know, bouncing from school to practice, going home and then just repeating every day. So uh, that first year, I, I just kind of had the college experience, didn't necessarily um, help out. And this story I'll never forget. My sophomore year, when I was uh, walking back with my roommate from the cafeteria, I remember seeing a flyer on the wall. And it was an advertisement to you know help out the men's basketball program. It outlined kind of the different opportunities and some of the cool niche things you'd be able to do, you know, assisting a Division One college basketball program. And at the time, uh, actually, our director of ops was uh, Mike Magpile, who's president of the Asian Coaches Association, head coach at uh, UC Riverside. So I reached out to him, uh, and then you know I was able to come on as a student manager, help out there. That uh, first staff I was on has quite the pedigree. I mean, Coach Magpile is running UC Riverside right now. Coach Smith, the head coach back then is at Washington State, and then uh, Coach Golden, now the head coach of Florida, and the uh, uh, took Coach Hubby with him, who's uh, also at Florida, and then uh, Coach Phelps now is at Marist College. So um, it's, it's pretty cool just to kind of see some of the turnover we've had and just how, how much that like branches out into your, your coaching tree and kind of getting to know different people in the industry. Right, right. So walk us through your career path so far. So like once you touch base with the program, I know that you've been a part of the program now for six years. You've also worked at the Locked On Podcast Network. You were an NBA draft analyst. I would love to hear your story, your career path in terms of, you know, how you've grown your career so far in sports. So kind of my junior and senior year of high school, uh, like I said, I, I shifted my focus into trying to find a different way to stay involved in sports after uh, I was done playing. Um, and I was fortunate enough to get connected with David Locke, who's the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. And so at the time, he ran a podcast that's still going. It's called Locked on Jazz. Um, and he has a blog. So when I got connected with David, he kind of gave me the opportunity to write up some draft reports just to post on his blog, talk about a little bit on his podcast, just to kind of get my feet wet and introduce me to the sports industry. So that's how I started doing a little bit of the uh, draft bios for him that Mm. he used on his show. Now, uh, at the same time, David had this incredible inspiration where he realized um, 
each of these different uh, teams, they're better served having uh, local experts, you know, from the different demographics across the country talk about, you know, what's going on with their team because they're covering them 365 days a year. They know a little bit more than, uh, you know, some of your national guys who don't have as much time. And that's when he launched the Locked On Podcast Network. So at that same time, when I was transitioning into coming to USF here in college, I had the opportunity to kind of help him out on the ground floor with just uh, little nuances just to kind of get him off the ground. And it's just incredible to see what his, what the Locked On Podcast Network has honestly turned into after probably, I think it's seven or eight years now. So it's just crazy to see how much it's grown and how big it's become. And it's just been awesome. Yeah. I, I will personally say that I am a huge, I'm from Dallas. I'm a huge Dallas Mavericks fan. I listen to Locked On Mavs all the time. Was just listening to it this morning as well. So yeah, the Locked On Podcast Network is tremendous. And really quickly, just going back to this, you connected with David Locke when you were in high school. Yeah, right at the end of uh, high school, I met up. I had a mutual connection with him. Okay. And he was obviously a great mentor and somebody I, you know, go to for advice. And he was very helpful. You know, he kind of asked what my career goals were, what my aspirations would be. And um, he was just a great person to talk to and kind of get my foot in the door to kind of start this uh, journey into the sports industry. Wow, that's that's really incredible. I mean, that you could connect with somebody like David at such a young age. I mean, I think that's a lesson to the younger members of the audience who are looking to break into sports that it can never be too early to make those connections to get your foot in the sports industry because it's obviously a very highly competitive industry to break into. And if you you know listen to Garrett's story, for him to have made um, a connection. Um, with someone like David Locke at such an early age really helped, you know, set you off on a good career path in terms of your sports career. Yeah, so, no, it was, it was awesome to kind of have him as a resource. Um, and like I said, I'm always grateful that he gave me that chance to kind of just get a little bit better understanding of what the sports industry was just because at the time, uh, you know, I personally don't have too many connects to the sports industry uh, I, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do yet. Just having him as somebody to kind of talk to and uh, use as a resource, just give me some experience, put some stuff on my resume to kind of, you know, bolster it was, was great. And again, just really grateful that he gave me that opportunity. Awesome. So what a great initial career move. So now, and then now you're uh, into college at USF connected with a men's basketball pro- program. Can you talk about your path at USF being part of the program now for six years, being a gra- uh, student manager, a graduate manager, and then now the director of basketball operations for the men's team? So when I got here, I, I, I did two years as student manager. Um, those were both under Coach Kyle Smith, who, uh, again, is at Washington State now. And it was a great, similar to kind of what David did, it was a great introduction to college basketball and kind of how you know, there's more that people don't necessarily see than the 40 minutes that the guys are out given they're all on the court. There's, you know, so many other different nuances that go into kind of running and operating a, a division one basketball program. So those first two years were great to kind of see how that worked. And then uh, at the time I was about to finish my undergrad right when he uh, left for the Washington state job and coach golden got promoted uh, to head coach at that time. And I was very fortunate enough to stay on as a graduate manager with him for two years. Uh, 
similar kind of thing. Just, I really got to understand, you know, what, uh, what all more went into, you know, running a division one program just cause, uh, being a GA and, uh, just seeing other things and being more tightly knit with our, uh, director of ops back then, Jonathan Sapphire, he's at Florida as well right now, um, was a great experience. And then coach Golden's last year, the year we went to the tournament, which was, uh, 21, 22, uh, we had a little bit of a staff shakeup and he gave me the opportunity to be his director of ops for his, his final mm-hmm. year in San Francisco. So, um, that's where I'm at. Uh, when coach Golden left, obviously I was super grateful that coach Gerlison let me stay on. Uh, as well. And uh, we're in year two of his tenure and we just can't wait to see how uh, everything goes this year. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you know, congratulations on becoming the, you know, the director of basketball operations for the team. Can you describe uh, sort of like, what do you do on a day-to-day basis as a director of uh, basketball operations? Uh, I would kind of say it it varies by season. Uh, I kind of chunk it up into two parts, the, the in-season and off-season. So off-season-wise is more uh, low-key for the most part, not as hectic. There's still stuff going on, but just you know, operating uh, and organizing official and unofficial visits. Uh, academics is a big one to kind of oversee. I work closely with our academic coordinator, just making sure our guys are on top of school because, you know, student athlete, very important aspect to Mm -hmm. uh, the college basketball game. And then just other day-to-day things, just, um, you know, just keeping the program on track uh, as much as I can and helping, you know, taking stuff off coaches, play any of the assistants, just whatever needs to get done and kind of help push the program forward is uh, kind of how the off off season goes. And then in season, it's, same thing, just a little more ramped up. Uh, travel is obviously a big one. Mm. You want to minimize the amount of like hiccups or you know stressors that the coaches and players have, uh, so that we can all kind of just put our best effort into trying to win as many games as possible and trying to just continue to push the program forward. Right, right, awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Long-term aspirations for your career. What are you thinking in terms of like what you might want to do? Where, where might you want to take this career in sports? It's always been a dream of mine to work in the NBA. Um, I'd like to get into the front office. I just like understanding how things are built and looking at how, you know, teams are comprised. That's why this opportunity has been incredible just because you get to see how a division one programs run. But regardless of what level I'm at or, you know, wherever I end up, I, I just want to try to help whatever program or franchise it is. Right. Uh, that's kind of the bottom line, just trying to help continue push and elevate them forward in any way I can. Awesome. What about your, I'm curious about your experience specifically as an Asian American, uh, as director of basketball operations for a men's college basketball team. What does it mean to you to be an Asian American in this type of role, this type of high profile role? It, it means a lot. Uh, to be honest, I'm, uh, before I started working in college basketball, I would say I didn't really know much about um, how many Asian Americans and just people of Asian descent were necessarily in the basketball universe. I mean, I think we all know who Coach Bolster is just because he's mm-hmm. a legend in the space and 
a great, but outside of that, you know, I, I didn't know how many different people were necessarily in uh, the high school, college and NBA ranks. Um, so it's been great to see that. And for me personally, it, it's cool just because, I mean, I, I am nowhere close to any of some of the pedigree of some of these other guys, but just that if one of these young Asian kids can see someone like themselves, like you and me sitting on a, on the bench, you know, it hopefully gives them hope that they can uh, follow their dreams and eventually get there someday. Awesome. And so I understand that you you also work with the Asian Coaches Association as the director of strategy there. Can you tell us a, a little about what your role with the organization and, and, and um, what the Asian Coaches Association is all about? For sure. So Coach Mike Magpio, uh, who I mentioned before, he's the head coach at UC Riverside. I met him when I was a student manager my first year. And basically the story of the Asian Coaches Association is Back in like 2011, 2012, when he was at Columbia with Coach Smith, uh, they realized there was no Filipino Coaches Association or Asian Coaches Association uh, overall in college basketball. So that year, the Final Four in New Orleans, he hosted the first Asian Coaches Mixer there. Mm. And ever since then, it's kind of just continued to steadily rise and gain a little more uh, traction over the past few years to the point where it, I would say 2019, 2020, the probably over 100 attendees. It was a great event, something a lot of people look forward to, to, to networking. Um, and uh, just to preface, while it is the Asian Coaches Association and we're trying to, you know, push each other forward of people of Asian descent, it, it's really open to everybody. Like there's no restrictions mm-hmm. or like you can't be in it. It's Anybody who wants to kind of join and kind of just continue to push each other forward is more than welcome. But for me personally, everything kind of ramped up in 2020, as we all know, the pandemic kind of shut everything down. Uh, That year, I was was actually going to probably be the first year I went out to the Final Four Mixer to help him with that. But he called me up during the lockdown when everything was slow, and he kind of just laid it out like how do we keep pushing this forward what what are some ideas we can do and one of the things we came up with was to kind of create these zoom sessions that we'd have weekly so each week i think starting in the spring until probably august when you know most programs were allowed to start easing back into the swing of things with uh figuring out a way to navigate the virus basically we'd have like two guests on this zoom call. Anybody was able to register. We didn't charge anything. It was just an opportunity to kind of hear perspectives and different, you know, teaching techniques, different things that these guys implement in their own programs and kind of help continuing to uh, push everything forward. And at the same time, uh, that's when the social media kind of took off a little bit more. It was just a great platform as it is now just to kind of, you know, push different people at all levels, whether it's high school, college, the NBA, whoever is getting a new job or something, we'll, we'll try to get it out there for them so they can get a little traction. More people understand. I mean, for me personally, like I said, I didn't know too much about uh, other Asians in the industry. So just to be able to, you know, kind of help out with that account and just push forward everybody else's stories, it's been awesome to kind of, you know, see, how many uh, Asian American, Asian descent, just anybody who's Asian overall 
that's now in the industry. And I mean, for us personally at USF, it's pretty cool. This, uh, this upcoming year, we actually have two signees that are both uh, of Asian descent. We're really excited to bring them in. Wow. Mike Shrav Jumps is one. He Mongolian Mike is his nickname. He played at Dayton. He's Mongolian. Uh, and then Barry Wong, who is currently at the FIBA U19s, playing on the national team of China. So it's just awesome to see the representation overall continuing to rise and, um, you know, pushing forward with uh, Asians in the basketball universe. Yeah, that's incredible. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm also interested in, you know, as someone who's now off on a great career path in the, in, you know, in college basketball and the sports, in, in the sports industry as well, what career advice do you have for like for younger Asian Americans who are looking to break into the sports industry? Like if you could impart maybe, you know, two or three pieces of advice, words of wisdom, like what would they be? I'd probably say the first one is just uh, get your foot in the door wherever you can. Uh, honestly, the sports industry, everybody wants to work in it and that makes you know jobs harder to come by. And, uh, you know, everybody, since everybody wants to work in it, most people don't necessarily need high pay, so there's not much pay on the lower levels. It's just hard to get in. So if you can financially afford it, I would take whatever opportunity you can get to kind of just bust through the door any way you can, get your name out there, kind of start to pick up a little traction, and then just work your way up. It's it's not easy to to break in, but once you're uh, once you're in, it's it's just a little bit different, but I understand because it, it was, uh, it is difficult. I mean, there's not many opportunities out there, but I would say once you're in, you have some kind of opportunity. I would say it's important to, to be adaptable and have a great work ethic. I think, you know, sometimes people get constrained by, oh, the, this is my job description. I only have to follow X, Y, Z, like this other stuff, somebody else will take care of it. I would advocate to kind of have like a helpful attitude and, you know, just try to continue helping any way you can just make yourself useful. Just because one of my professors I had at this quote always sticks with me as hard work finds a way just, um, you know, any way you can kind of just boost your uh, standing with certain people, just working hard and showing up every day, having a great attitude. Just those are all kind of important elements to, you know, continuing to build your career. And then I think this one's, this last point's kind of really important in today's day and age. It's don't measure yourself against uh, what other people are doing. You know, I know it's hard with social media, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, everybody's posting what they're doing every second of the day. But, you know, you don't need to have a linear path to somebody else. You can kind of, uh, you can follow it, but you don't need to do X, Y to get to Z. There's a hundred different ways to get where you're going. And I think sometimes it can be discouraging if you see, well, like, uh, this guy did this, 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 I'm so behind. Like I need to, I need to get here by this age. I need to do this by this age. Just go at your own pace. Um, just trust your own path and your own work and believe in yourself. And I think it'll take you uh, really far. Awesome. That's, that's incredible advice. In terms of being, you know, in, on the basketball operations side, I'm just also curious, like, how much of time do you spend watching basketball, watching games, and like kind of studying 
player ability, talent, you know, breaking down, you know, X's and O's, those kind of things. I know you were an NBA draft analyst previously. Do you still do some of that work in terms of like assessing players and teams from that standpoint as part of your role as director of basketball operations? I do. I, I would say just first and foremost that uh, the priority and what you're just be great at your job right now. So number one priority is just trying to help us win in any way possible, but at the same time, you know, for career purposes and just continuing to learn and grow. Yes. You need to stay sharp with your basketball knowledge. So for me, I try to help out uh, wherever I can with different scouts, film breakdowns, whatever I can to kind of keep my basketball knowledge sharp. Um, But at the same time, uh, I wouldn't let that totally consume you to the point where you're slacking on, you know, what your actual job is. But uh, to answer your question, yes, um, I do try to keep up, which is uh, some of the basketball stuff, because it is important, because otherwise you're never going to grow and kind of advance out of, uh, you know, get to that point you want to get to. Uh, right. Right. What's something that's been surprising that you wouldn't have expected in your role now as director of basketball operations? I would just say how much support goes into a division one program. Mm. Um, it, it takes a village. I mean, you know, like, like I talked about earlier, most people only see these guys for uh, 40 minutes out of the day, you know, when they're just watching them on the court and then that, that's about it. And then when the season's over, you don't necessarily think about it, but I mean, even for us right now, we're in, we just finished our second week of training in the summer. So, you know, these guys are, we did an early morning workout today. So they're here early. They're, they're busting their butt, trying to get better, doing all these things that people will never necessarily see, but it's not even just the players and the coaches. You know, we have our strength coach, our trainer, academic advisor, keeping them on track mm. with school. The, everybody in the department has a role in, you know, trying to help these guys be the best possible athletes and students they can. So I would just say it's, it's a lot more complex and kind of why I personally love, you know, working in college basketball now is you get to see all the nuances, the things that you wouldn't necessarily think about if you were just, you know, watching these guys for two hours on a random December day. Right. Right. Do you still get out there and play? Uh, here and there when I, when I can find some time, uh, we uh, we have a, a rec center uh, on campus, so uh, any some of the times I can go out and play, I, I definitely do try to just uh, play. But I, I do miss playing quite a bit, you know, just being out there competing. Uh, I, I wish I could go back to high school and keep. <laughs> it was definitely a great time just being out there with your your buddies, uh, going to war, just like these guys are every single day. Right, right. What do you feel like is the most rewarding aspect of your job? I'd probably say it's uh, just watching these guys come in as 18-year-olds and leaving as men. Mm. Uh, that That's the case for most people in college, but especially for these guys, you know, they, they don't necessarily live the conventional college lifestyle. They're, uh, they have way more expectations on them and they're held to a different standard. So watching them kind of, you know, just grow up over four years, I would say, I mean, the cool thing for us uh, is like even 
about a month ago, just seeing we had five or six graduates. And mm. since I've been here so long, it's, it's awesome to see those guys get their degrees and kind of, you know, leave here with something sustainable and kind of whether they stayed with us, they moved on to a different chapter of their life or a different school. Even it, it was great that I was able to build those relationships and for sure program was able to kind of just mold them into great young men. And it was, it's awesome to kind of see just their overall growth over however long their career is here. Right. Right. Awesome. And we'll wrap with this, but um, how can our audience members, if they're interested in connecting with you or, or following you online to, you know, follow your career, how can they best connect with you? Um, so I, I, anybody who would like to, you're more than welcome to reach out to me. Uh, my email is G, my last name at uh, usfca.edu. Um, if you really feel inclined, you're more than welcome to follow me on Twitter as well. I, uh, I don't necessarily post that much. I just retweet uh, stuff about us, but it's uh, G-F-U-R-U 27. And uh, honestly, for young Asian Americans, I would encourage you to follow our uh, Asian coaches handles as well. It's just at Asian coaches on both Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can stay up to date with the different events we're doing, whether it's Zooms or uh, the final four mixer dates or just Personally, it, it's pretty cool to see just different representation getting some of these jobs. I mean, uh, the spring is usually for college when there's so much turnover and different uh, opportunities given. And, you know, feel free to reach out to me like, hey, like my buddy got this job. Can you tweet it out? Absolutely. Mm, like, awesome. Pushing out any of that kind of stuff so we can a get to know you and then kind of bring into the circle and kind of make you part of the family and be just continue to promote and try to, you know, hype up as many Asians as we can uh, within the, the basketball universe or just sports universe in general. Awesome. Thank you so much for that, Garrett. And really appreciate you taking the time to join me on the podcast today. Congrats on all the success that you've achieved thus far in your career and, you know, best of luck in this upcoming season and as well as your future endeavors. Appreciate it, Justin. Thank you so much for having me on. uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Awesome. And that wraps up this episode of the Asian American Athlete. To help support this podcast, please rate and review the show and subscribe to this podcast so that you know when the next episode is ready. See you all in the next episode.